You and I think that we have struggles, but let me tell you Bert's story. This guy came from a different country, came to America, had to leave his wife behind just to come here to make it as a physical therapist. The problem was that he got stuck in the same damn rat race that the rest of us did. And he ended up having to just work for 21 days straight, getting his ass kicked before he realized that that wasn't working for him. Eventually, he has developed a home health business and teaches others how to develop home health businesses that is allowing him to become so successful as an entrepreneur that he literally follows Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week and literally works about four hours a week and is doing amazingly well for himself. So on today's Physio Mission podcast, we are going to hear Bert's story and we're going to understand how we can take the lessons that he has learned through his struggles and his successes and apply them to our own lives. That's coming up on today's Physio Mission podcast. Hello and welcome to the Physio Mission Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jared Cooper. This podcast is dedicated to helping young aspiring physical therapists navigate the muddy waters of what has now become our profession. I want to help you maximize your impact, your income, and your freedom. Throughout this podcast, I'll be interviewing mentors, clinical gurus, and successful business owners who have paved the way and shown us how it's done. Along the way, I'll also be sharing with you some secrets to my own success and how I started a private practice from scratch, developed an amazing team, and built and grew it to a seven-figure business. So without further ado, let our mission begin. What's up, guys? Welcome to another awesome episode of the Physio Mission Podcast. Dr. Jared Cooper here, and I have on the show today, man, I am so glad that you are here. Bert Devera, you know, one of the things I like about, about you, the first moment when I met you is number one, you're like one of the most friendliest person I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> Thank you. And you're out there doing really good work and you're educating physical therapists and giving them new opportunities. So welcome to the Physio Mission Podcast. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate you having me, man. It's an honor. Awesome. It's my pleasure. So let's start with where, where I like to start all my podcasts is your origin. And just quickly tell us your story about how you went from your average physical therapy student back in the day to where you are now and the opportunities that you've created for yourself. I appreciate that. So um, maybe some of you have heard about me in some other podcasts, but I'll be happy to tell you my, my quick short origin story. I'm originally from the Philippines. I came here in the United States back in September of 1997. That's fourth quarter of 97. Three weeks after just getting married, I had to leave my wife because I have a contract to fulfill. Otherwise, my visa would expire. So three weeks just in our honeymoon stage, I have to go. That was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Oh, man. And, and then I've, after that, I didn't see my wife for a year and seven months. For 19 months, we didn't see each other because I had to do what I had to do to you know, pursue the American dream. Right. So make this story short. I don't want to spend too much time on that. Um, I worked as a traveling PT. My first assignment was in Clearwater, Florida. I worked for a company that would, you know, do 13 weeks assignments here and there. Travel, you know, in Florida, Texas, California and all that stuff. So um, I thought that was the American dream. And we finally settled in a place here in Texas called Victoria, Texas, when um, I finally got my wife here. And um, I was doing the daily grind, nine to five and all that. We had our first baby, our daughter, um, year 2000. 
And uh, what happened was the company I was working for put me in a 21 day straight work because they couldn't find a PT. No day off. No day off. Oy. That was the hardest thing I had to do as far as my career is concerned. 21 days and um, I was about to cry going home on my third week. My wife and I were not having healthy adult conversation because I was so tired, couldn't play with our daughter. And at that point, I told myself, this has to change. Hindsight, I had to ask myself, how long is this going to last? Right. If, if this is the American dream, I don't want this dream. <laughs> it's like a more like an American nightmare. But exactly. to be honest with you, you know, that your story is not too different than the story that a lot of PTs tell when I talk to them about the beginning of their career. And, right. you know, I don't want to use the term abuse, but man, it's, it's not far from that. Exactly. When, when you're being asked to do things that affect your family and your life and your relationship that strongly, right. you know, that's, that, that's not the American dream for sure. Right. I had to make a decision. I spoke to my wife, Hey, uh, if you'll allow me to start a business, we have about three to six months uh, emergency fund or savings at that time. I told her, if you allow me to do some business using what I know, physical therapy, and um, if it works out good, if it doesn't, I'll go back, look for a job. Right. So that was it. I had her blessing, which is very important for those of you who are married. You have to have your wife's blessing. Otherwise, it can be a root cause for divorce, right? <laughs> Yes, it can. <laughs> Very tough. And so, um, so you, you talk to your wife. And, and so for those physical therapists out there that are going to have to have the conversation with their spouse, that they are looking to open up their own practice, what does that conversation sound like? Ah, uh, very good question. You know, uh, it starts with, honey, we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, honestly, you just have to be honest and, and lay down the cards. You got to tell um, your spouse what is it really you want to do. And based on what you want to do, how are you going to take care of the family? Did you because know at the, at the time the day, when you actually had that conversation what you wanted to do? No. I just wanted out. I just wanted yeah. to get out of the nine to five job. I wanted to get out of working 40, 60 hours a week. I, I didn't have any idea what to do. So I had to do my research after she agreed that, okay, she said, she, she told me, okay, see what you can do and then let me know. And then we'll, we'll talk about it. And you had six months essentially runway to live on at that time. Exactly. Yep. And so how long did it take you after you made that decision to go independent to the point where your independent venture became self-sufficient? About three months into it. Okay. That's a I, short amount of time. Yeah, yeah about three months into it because the demand was so high at that time. Uh, about three months into it, I could already see, huh, this is something. I got something here. Okay. okay. And what were you doing? What did you do? So um, I researched outpatient brick and mortar and... Okay. Obviously, as you and I know, that's not the path I took. Right. And with all due respect to all those who did the brick and mortar, if that's your thing and you're making good money, hats off to you. Nothing against that. It's just something I didn't want to do for me. At that time, it's a huge risk for me to get a loan, rent you know, a building, sign a lease for three to five years, hire employees. I just didn't have that amount of money to cover that kind of risk and I don't want to put my family in that situation. So I found a different model, which is 
contracting with the home health agencies. And I found out with that model, I didn't have to have a brick and mortar clinic. I don't have to have a full-time staff. I can have BT, OT, OTAs, PTAs, and SLPs working for me, PRN. And then it's a pay-as-you-go model. Basically, you know, whenever we get a referral, we send them out and we basically make money by marking up how much we pay our staff. So, How did you get your initial, first of all, when you first started, were you doing all the work yourself? And then how did you transition from that to, okay, I now have people that are working for me that I'm sending out? Good question. So yes, I was doing all the work, you know, myself, I have to, I had to wear all the hats. You know, I was, I was the president, I was a PT doing evals, I was doing follow-up visits when I didn't have enough PTAs, I was doing the invoice, I was taking calls from the agencies, I was, you know, putting out fires within the company, you know, I had to make sure that everything is running smoothly. And I, I would tell you this, it didn't. I had to really <laughs> go through the fire. I mean, no business runs smoothly at the, from the very you know, beginning. <laughs> you know that. You're a businessman. Right? I just I just actually recorded a podcast last night. It's called I'm Totally Wasted. That was that was the test <laughs> that's the title of the podcast. Because we have some transitional stuff that we're going through. We have some employee changeover. And honestly, like I know there's a lot more fires in the beginning, but as you well know as a business owner, there are always those things that happen throughout your business that change the course of things and that yep. there, you know, it, 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 it all seems really great from the outside. Like, oh, you make a lot of money, you're doing this, you doing this, oh, you got this freedom. But there, we're firemen. We'll always be firemen to some degree. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you create right. systems, you get those systems to run, but you know, we had a, we had a therapist who had a car accident. Like, what, what do you do? Like, there's nothing I can do to stop that from happening no matter how right. good my systems are. Right, right. You know, things things happen. And as a business person, as a business owner, you just have to know how to deal with it. Yep. Right. So, yeah. So I was wearing all the hats and then um, I, I came to a point where I realized, you know what, in order for me to grow this business, I need help. So that's when I started okay. hiring. Yeah. Who the, who the first person that you hired was who? A PTA. I hired a PTA. PTA yeah. To help me Okay. Out. And who was the second person you hired? I hired an OT. When did you hire somebody to do the admin work? Very good question. And I get that question a lot from my mentees. Yeah. So um, I started hiring office help. At the time I was paying $8 an hour. Now I'm paying $11 an hour. So <laughs> um, I started getting office help when the invoices were piling up. Okay. Because the invoices were affecting the cash flow. No invoice, no checks coming in, no cash flow. So, you know, basically told myself this can't happen. Otherwise, this will kill the business. Right. So at, at first, my wife was helping me, but then I realized that's not working out. You know, she's busy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she was busy with our kids. And then to, to have your, your spouse work in the business, to some it might work. But I guarantee you, if you can get out of that situation, ASAP, get out. <laughs> because it doesn't end during business hours. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. You get into the dinner table, you discuss things. I mean, if you can make it work, hats off to you. But if you can have somebody do that instead of your wife and make your wife relax, focus on the things she wants to focus on, send her to a spa or whatever, you'll have a better life, a longer life. <laughs> so we all know the expression, right? So, so at that time, were you taking any insurance or was this all cash-based? 
it's basically cash-based because we don't build Medicare. And up to now, it still is. We, we don't build Medicare. We don't build insurance. What we do is we invoice the home health agency. So the agency is the one that invoices um, the insurance or builds, builds insurance and builds Medicare Part A. So for those of us that don't have a home, like I don't, I have a brick and mortar. A okay. lot of a lot of my listeners work for a brick and mortar, or own a brick and mortar. Can you explain what an agency does and how it fits in? Because I think of home health, I'm like, okay, if I want to do home health, I just start a business and I get customers and I go to their homes. But right. there's some, there's a middle person, right? Can you explain how that agency fits into the whole picture? Great. So a home health agency is an agency that's certified by Medicare Part A to accept Medicare patients that are considered homebound. Now, besides Medicare, they also have contracts with private um, insurance companies or managed care, as we call it, either Blue Cross, Blue Shield, you know, you name it, Aetna and all that stuff. Now, these agencies are basically the entity that's authorized to build Medicare. Because okay. in order, yeah, in order for these agencies to build Medicare, they have to go through a rigorous, almost one year of certification with ten or twelve pro bono patients, and then those are not retroactively billable. And once they pass the state audit, and then the Medicare audit, that's the only time they can start billing for. Gotcha. Whatever comes so in. when you as a physical therapist want to do home health, you're not contracting with Medicare, you're contracting with an agency who is actually the one sending the bills to Medicare. The agency is billing Medicare and getting reimbursed, let's say 120 bucks a visit or whatever it is, you're uh, billing the agency and the agency is paying you a dollar amount less than that dollar amount. So the agency makes money and you make money. Yes. So everybody gets a piece of the pie. So that's correct. Gotcha. So that's why when you're invoicing, you're actually literally sending invoices, not bills right. to the agency. Okay, I understand. Correct. And so the, the actual end user, the customer, the, the patient, they're not paying cash to you, even though you're getting paid essentially a flat rate per visit. That's correct. So there's, okay. there's no cash exchange. These are um, geriatric Medicare beneficiaries or, or military VA beneficiaries if, if the agency has a contract with VA or private insurance patients. Gotcha. Okay, so let's go back to the story, right? So you started the business, you eventually hired a PTA, you hired an OT, you eventually hired an admin person to take over what your wife was doing at the dinner table, right? <laughs> and doing all, all the invoices and whatnot. Um, and then what happened next? What, where'd you go from there? Well, I had to hire a CODA or OTA. So the, the OTE vows, you know, are passed through to the CODA because okay. the business was designed to make money from the margins coming from the PTAs and the CODAs. Right. So I break even in the PTs and, and the OTs. And, then and by I the way, for anybody listening, if you haven't watched Bert's uh, webinar on explaining this stuff, I watched it a couple of weeks ago and it really breaks this down for those of us that have not, who are, who have not done home health and don't understand the model. I love the way you broke it down in your videos. So Thank we'll you. put a link to the description to that webinar uh, at the end of the podcast so people can go and understand how you actually have the business model set up. Cause I, when I watched it, I was like, Oh, I wish I'd fucking done this from the beginning. Like, this is awesome. Like, this is so much better. Why did I fucking spend all this money like leasing a space and like taking all the risk? So I honestly, when I did, when I, when I opened my practice, I really didn't even know that that business existed. 
And uh, it's really a great opportunity if you're looking to open a business the kind of work that you're doing is just awesome. And I think if I were to rewind and had to do it all again, and I had seen your webinar seven years ago, I probably would have maybe, you know, done home health. Because the model really makes sense, right? The PT is going in doing the eval, but you make money in the follow-ups. That's why you're hiring a PTA to do the follow-ups because right. of the difference in salary between those two people. Right, exactly. Right. Okay, so, and um, I was just going to say, you're not the first one who didn't know about this business. And as a matter of fact, <laughs> a lot of therapists still up to this point don't know that this business model existed. You know, so why? Because most of us are trained while in school. Hey, when you get your license, it's either you work in a nursing home, hospital, or you open your own brick and mortar clinic. That's basically what we know, right? Right. And, and then um, very recently, there's other models that are popping up left and right. So, and but these model that I'm talking to you about the model that you've seen me do is is like I said a very good model that I think a lot of therapists especially new grads that are you know trying to think about a business they can start they need to look into this and, and thank you for sending them that link yeah so when I was a personal trainer um, a gazillion years ago we, the home health existed right because we would either have people come to us we would rent space some people had their own space i eventually you know rented my own space in new york city but a lot of times personal trainers just go to your home right and they do training in your home mm -hmm. there's then at some point in time i started to hire trainers to work under me and i opened my first company where i had trainers that worked for me that i would send out to go to different people's homes mm -hmm. that business presented some problems because whenever you have people working for you and they have to be somewhere at a particular time of day and you're managing now not just one schedule, but multiple people. Now they each have their own schedule. Mm -hmm. How do you, what are some of the problems and struggles that, um, that you faced and that you figured out ways of overcoming in a home health business like this with regards to the tactics and logistics of managing all of these people who are out there representing you, but they're not in, they're not in your roof. So you can't watch the, you can't watch like downstairs. If I watch my therapist, I know whether they're doing a good job, bad job. I can listen to my front desk, mm -hmm. but you have no ability to observe your people working. So how did you overcome some of the difficulty with having multiple people in multiple places with multiple schedules and simultaneously maintain a high quality of care that that's up to your expectations? That's a very good question. And uh, just like in any business, you will have good hires, excellent hires, and you will have bad hires, right? You will have good employees, bad employees. So the way we do it in our model, as far as logistics, we don't have any problem with scheduling conflicts because number one my staff are independent contractors they do their own schedule mm -hmm. so i let them call their patients and schedule based on what they can agree with right so with that we don't basically tell them hey you got to be at this patient's home at three o'clock otherwise that's going to be a problem right right so and since we have a pool of therapists we give them the chance to look at the referral first as far as demographics. Where is this patient located? Is it in my area? Um, is it a diagnosis that I'm comfortable working with or not? So my main requirement was do not accept a referral unless you know you can follow through. Right. Otherwise, and how did you communicate that? Do you have that on a platform or a website or a is it Google Docs? Like, how are you interfacing with your people? Well, first, before I get them into our, our company, I make sure I meet them face to face. 
Sure. All right. So I got to read the person's character, body language and all that. And I got to do my due diligence of checking their references, making sure it's someone I really want to hire. The problem with uh, other companies or other businesses is when they're in, um, in a, you know, dire need for someone to help them out, they just boom, rush into hiring someone. That's a big, big mistake. You can't do that. Okay. So with me, on our first meeting, if I like the person, we keep talking and then I lay down the rules. This is what I expect from you. You're a professional, I'm a professional. I expect you to act professionally, do your job professionally. If it doesn't work out, I'll let you know and vice versa. If it doesn't work out with you, I want you to let me know. Basically like that. And if they can't right. perform the job, we look for someone who can do the job. So, and then I tell them, if there's one thing I ask from you, it's this. When you get a referral, when you accept a referral, I want you to follow through and finish that referral and make sure the patient is happy. Make sure that you do what we're trained to do, and that is improving our patient's quality of life. At right. the end so of the up, day. It's yeah. up to them to follow up and book out the plan of care exactly. all the way to the end. Exactly. Right. So that, that eliminates the need for that sort of central uh, ad- administrative job of, of managing all that stuff, correct? Because right. they are independent contractors right. and you're just hiring the right people. So right. What, what struggles have you run into with, uh, with this kind of model, this kind of business? Well, like I said earlier, there are therapists out there who, who don't do a quality job. Right. Okay. They just work for the paycheck. They go in, they go out. They don't do what they're supposed to do. Patient is not happy or they show up late without calling or communicating with the patient or they stay five minutes, 10 minutes and then leave. That's not going to cut it. That's going to affect our company's reputation. Sure. Whenever we get to a therapist like that, I don't waste time. I get him out. I tell him, I don't like the way you work. This is not working out. We need to part ways. Higher, slow, fire, fast, right? That's the expression. Exactly. Exactly. So, and at first I I have a hard time firing people because as a, and you, for those guys listening to this podcast, you will have that struggle at the very beginning of your business. You will, you will have that emotional, uh, what do you call this struggle of, gosh, I don't want to fire someone. I don't want to fire these people, but I'm going to tell you right now, you're not firing people. They fire themselves. Right. <laughs> they do. And I've, 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 I've got this. I learned this from my coach. People fire themselves. They don't get fired. Why? Because if they really care about what they do, if they really care about, you know, their job or their position, wherever they are, they will not give their employer a reason to get fired. They won't. It's true. So people fire themselves because they don't care. They don't give a shit. That's it. That's, that's the yeah. bottom line. Once you have a business like this set up, how many hours are you spending working on the home health business? Not the education part, just the actual home health business. Once the business is up and running, how many hours a week do you actually have to dedicate to doing your admin work personally? Um, you know, dealing with employees, HR issues, whatever, whatever it may be. It's a very good question. I modeled my business based on the book of Tim Ferriss, The 4-Hour Workweek. Have you heard yep. of that book? Of course. <laughs> so, uh, so I read that book cover to cover, edition, uh, first and second edition. Okay. So I literally live by that book as far as my business is concerned. Um, I call myself the king of delegation. If I can delegate something, I will. 
if I cannot and I'm the only person that can do it, then I do it. So with every task that comes my way, I ask myself, huh, can I delegate this? Yes or no? Right. Uh, if the answer is yes, boom, it's out. Okay. So to answer your question, how many hours at first I was working about obviously 40, 50 hours a week when I was starting. Cause I, like I said, sure. I was wearing all the hats and then I reduced it to 20 hours a week when I found help. Okay. And then when I found help with the admin and all that stuff, I reduced it to 10 hours a week until now, now I'm working less than 10 hours a week. So are you trying to work four hours just so you can model the book to a T? <laughs> hey, why not? I want to go yeah, right. fishing. I love to go fishing and play tennis. <laughs> I hear you. Now, with the last question about your actual business, are you outsourcing the? Are you outsourcing overseas? Are you keeping people? You know, where where are you outsourcing a lot of your work to? Good question. So, as far as the local logistics, my secretary is local. She okay. lives. She lives here in our area, but we, we rarely see each other face to face. We we talk on the phone, text. Basically, she's my gatekeeper. She's the one that I pay eleven dollars an hour. Okay. Okay. But we've switched to a model to where instead of paying her a dollar an hour, I gave her a percentage of every referral or every visit we get. Okay. That way, when we're busy she gets more money when we're not busy she gets less money okay and it also motivates her to get things done because she's in charge of invoicing she's in charge of delegating stuff to our 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 our, our staff our independent contractors gotcha so, yeah so uh that's local now i have other vas virtual um, assistants outside the us for other stuff like website design and stuff like that so I have both. Right. Let's, let's change gears a little bit. Let's go back to the very beginning of your story. You said, I researched all the different ways that I could make money in physical therapy, and this is what I chose, right? Mm -hmm. So now let's take a typical physical therapist who is in the time, the point in time right before they get to the point where they're like ready to like make a decision at the point where they're supremely stressed out because that is the point at which people are in the most amount of pain and they need something in that moment. The first thing that they need is the right mindset to get out of that situation. Right. And then once they have the right mindset to get out of that situation, they have to figure out what do I do? Like, and these are things that you and I have talked about that you're passionate about is helping therapists get the right mindset and then helping them through the challenge of figuring out what direction to take their life so they can actually, quote, and I'm air quoting here, make a living as a physical therapist rather than just being like, you know, a staff PT getting their ass kicked like you were working 21 straight days, you know, right. <laughs> right. like that's crazy, right? Right, right. Um, so let's start with mindset. So like I said earlier, most therapists, whether you're a PT, OT, or SLP, the mindset that was somehow subconsciously instilled into us while we were in school is this, get your degree done, get your license, look for a job. Right. That was the mindset. So if you think about it, you have to ask the right questions. So you get into the right frame of mind or mindset. Ask yourself the right questions. And the first question you need to ask yourself is, okay, is finding a job or getting a paycheck my final destination? Okay. Is, is that really what you want for the rest of your career? Okay. Now, if, if you're a, a new grad, 
and you have this mindset of, oh, I don't care about the money, Bert. I, I became a therapist because I want to help patients. I want to change lives. But congratulations. That's what we're in, we're in there for, too. I mean, we're, we're, in in the, we're all into about changing patients' quality of life, right? That's what we sign up for. But sure. if, if your relationship, relationship with money is wrong, then you won't move beyond getting a paycheck. Okay? Because wait, when you say when your relationship with money is wrong, what did you mean by that? This is what I mean by that. Most therapists, I'm not saying all, most therapists think that as therapists, we're not supposed to make a lot of money. Because yeah. we're in the service industry. We're here to change lives. We're here to improve our patients' quality of life. And, oh, I don't like those therapists who think about making a profit. I don't like those therapists about, you know, thinking about making money. If, if that's your mindset as a therapist, I'm telling you right now, you're starting in a wrong mindset. Uh. Money is a tool. It does not define who you are. It defines what you do with it and your attitude towards it. If you think money is not important, I hate to break it to you. It's important to the school that you owe your student loans to. They want, sure. <laughs> they want you to pay that student loan. It's important to your creditors. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If, if you tell me that money is not important, well, guess what? Why don't you just get a job somewhere that pays you $10 an hour? Do you think it honestly come from that, that we're in a service industry or is there some fear involved? There's also a fear involved, obviously. We were not trained to be business people. We were trained to be clinicians, right? right. So the fear of going out on your own and starting your own business is huge because what if I fail? What if I don't make it? What if, what if you know, all the what ifs, and that yeah. therefore, we settle into this so-called job security. Yeah. And yeah. then we so found out there's no such thing as job security. Not even the government can secure your job. How many government right. sh shutdowns have we had? Right. And, you know, we, t we talked about that a little bit as well with, you know, the changes that are going on in Medicare and, uh, and the PDGM and, and all of these things and, and, and how therapists are losing their jobs left and right. So, you know, the, the notion that there's some sort of security. I, I can't remember... This was a long time ago, so I don't even remember what the context was, where there was a guy who was trying to get into a co-op. And you know, when you go, when you try to buy a, a, in a co-op for your, where you live, you, you have to go in front of the co-op board and, and just, you know, explain who you are sometimes and like present like, so that the co-op knows that you're able to pay, you know, the co-op dues and pay all the fees and whatever, whatever it may mm -hmm. be. I don't remember the details of it. But there was a guy who owned his own business. So he goes in front of the co-op board and the co-op board goes, well, you're a liability, you're a risk, you own your own business. You know, you could go out of business at any point in time. The guy said, no, 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 no. Y'all work for people. You could get fired at any point in time. I'm in control of my destiny. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know where that story came from, but I just remember it's, it stuck with me, the notion that when you work for yourself or more importantly, when you own a business that you, that you, that you run and that you are the owner of, you are always in control of your destiny one way or the other. And that if you think that you're going to get job security by working for somebody else, that in and of itself is a false belief that can get you into a lot of trouble. Exactly. It definitely yeah. is a false belief. And a lot of our colleagues are realizing that now with all the changes that's happening. PDGM, PDPM, it's happening. And a lot of our colleagues, sad to say and sad to see that they're losing their jobs, they're getting their hours cut because they thought that their job 
is secured. Right. When it's but not. now they're realizing it's not. So let's go back to the mindset, right? So they have to have the right relationship with money, which means understanding that money is a tool and it's, a, it's, it's irrelevant to the impact and the service that you can provide patients. You can do that too and make money. The two are not mutually exclusive. That's right. That's okay, right. What's next? What's next in the mindset? The next thing is you need to have clarity. Okay. As, as a new therapist or if, if you've been a therapist for five years or less and you still don't know what to do, then you need clarity. You need to ask yourself, what is it really that you want to do? What is your end goal? Okay. Again, going back to having a job, I would use a metaphor. When you see a patient and you give them a plan of care, do you just prescribe one exercise? Hey, you got to do these bicep curls and everything will be fine. That's it. Right? right? I mean, do you say right. that to your patients? No. Of course not. Right. Right. Then why do we settle into one result, which is just having a paycheck? Right. It's like saying, it's like the corporate world is saying, hey, you licensed therapist, this is all you're going to get. Paycheck. That's it. Why are we, why are we settling for that? Why? why? Why can we not think outside the box as therapists like we always do? We always think of different exercises to improve our patient's quality of life instead of just depending on one exercise, right? Why can't we think a different strategy? Because right. of the mindset, because of, of, of what was instilled into us. All you deserve is a paycheck. That's a freaking lie. Right. Now, is the question, what do you want to do? Or is the question, who do you want to be? That's a very good way to put it. What you do and who do you want to be, I think are both related. So right? if I'm a therapist and I'm trying to make a decision, I can think to myself, how do I want to spend my day? Right? That might be the what do you want to do part. Do I want to spend my day going to people's houses? Do I want to spend my day working for somebody else? Do I want to spend my day in a performance clinic? Do I want to spend my day treating uh, temporomandibular joint dysfunction all day? Like They can think to themselves, what do I want to do? But I feel like sometimes that gets a little bit, you know, like it can be misleading because because you can do if I look if, if I'm a physical therapist and I work for a good boss, like I kind of consider myself a good boss, right? My, my therapists don't treat that many patients per hour. Like I keep my senses low enough that they can give good quality care. So they're downstairs doing what they want to do, but they know and I know that there's a ceiling to what they'll be able to become. Because right. there, right, there's still a ceiling. I can't, I'm not just going to hand them my business and be like, here, you're a business owner. Right? They, if, they, <laughs> if they want something, they're going to have to, to become somebody else in their head right. so that they can become somebody else professionally. So if I'm making a decision as far as I want to figure out what I want to do with my life, I can sort of say, okay, how do I want to spend my day? But I feel like there's a North Star further away from what it is I want to do with my day that I feel like has something to do with what I want for my life beyond what do I want for myself as a physical therapist and understanding like that you need to make a decision for your life and then backtrack and figure out who do I have to be today as a physical therapist to get to that point. And you, I know you've done that because you've created a, not just a job, not just a business, not just a profession. You've literally created a life that you wanted and you've used your business to get there. 
And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because you're somebody who represents somebody who was able to do that. And I find it inspiring. And so I'd love to hear your perspective on the, you know, the rant I just went on. Sure. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I guess if you ask the question, who do you want to be? Then you have two choices as a therapist. Do you want to be an employee for the rest of your life and have that ceiling of income that Jared is talking about earlier? Or do you want to be an entrepreneur where you basically write your own paychecks right. and see how far you can take it, how far you can go as far as reaching that North Star that you want? Okay. And how does somebody get to the point where they make the decision that, yeah, I want to be an entrepreneur. How do they get over that fear, the apprehension? Well, they have to understand that everything in life is a business. Everything has a contract. If you think you're not in business because you're an employee, then you're mistaken. You are in the business of exchanging your time for that paycheck. Mm. Everything has a contract. You sign a contract for that job offer, and therefore you're in business to fulfill that job. So you get that ch- paycheck. We even have marriage contracts, right? Do we right. sign right, the contract? Everything is a contract. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like marriage is a contract. When you get a, when you have a kid, you yeah. know, there's no written contract, but yeah. what you have the birth certificate. That child belongs to you. You yeah. don't get to give it back. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, going back to, to the point, when you see things differently from a different perspective, obviously, then you'll approach things dif- differently, right? So if, if you see yourself as an employee for the rest of your life, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do. Like I said, you right. just have to decide what do you want to be. So, so right. you can do the things you want to do. If you want to be an employee, then be prepared to work your, your ass off 40 hours a week, nine to five, until you're 67 and start enjoying life. Now, if, if you, that's what you want to do and you enjoy doing that, hey, to each his own. Hats off to you, right? But if that's not what you want to do or that's not what you want to be and you want this certain lifestyle where you control your hours, you write your own paychecks, then you can't stay as an employee. You have to mm-hmm. do something different. Okay. One of my coaches was John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire, and he keeps saying this. If you want to be, then do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, you can't be saying, oh, I wish I have, I've been working. I wish I'm working 10 hours a week, four hours a week. Oh, I wish I can travel there, do this, do that. But uh, I want to stay here in my job security. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. I think that's really interesting, that perspective that, you know, uh, in all seriousness, this idea that everything is a contract, no matter what you do, you decide to be an entrepreneur and you sign a lease, that's a contract that might scare you, but it's, it's no different than the contract you signed as an employee or any, anywhere else in your life. And that it really comes down to commitment. And what are you, what are you willing to commit to? And what do you have the balls to commit to? And if you're willing to commit to, you know, if you're willing to commit to moving forward and doing what you are scared of doing, you are going to eventually get what you really, really want deep on the inside. So I thank you for that, for that uh, perspective. That's true. Um, let's just talk real quick because I know this is something that you're passionate about. So I just wanted to include it before we wrap up about PDGM and, and, and the changes that are coming. This is an area that I am in no way, shape or form an expert on and probably almost a newbie when it comes to understanding the politics of physical therapy. It's not, it's not my expertise at all. So can you just share with us what, what is going on you know, in the industry and 
and why should we be concerned about it? And then, you know, obviously we know what to do about it, right? You become an entrepreneur and you create your own business. You control a lot of this stuff. But what, what are the threats? Well, um, there's two things that happened recently with Medicare. The first thing that happened was October of last year called PDPM, which affected um, the nursing homes, okay? Skilled, skilled nursing facilities. And then January 1st of 2020, PDGM came in, which affected the home health industry, which is called patient-driven groupings model. So with PDGM, they now give home health, home health agencies a lump sum of money mm-hmm. for, for all of the disciplines, okay? BTOT, SLP, skilled nursing, everything else. Basically, here's the money for this diagnosis. Go ahead and budget it out, okay? Okay. For prior to 2020, it, it was therapy visits driven. So prior to 2020, if you get this number of visits, let's say 12 visits, 20 visits, here's the amount of money we're going to give you. So with PDGM, what the government is trying to do is avoid fraudulent agencies from milking the system by just giving and giving um, unnecessary therapy visits. Right. But what was the consequence of, the, of those two yeah. actions? The consequence of PDGM in 2020, now that they're getting all the money without counting the therapy visits, they're doing the opposite. Prior to 2020, they were increasing the visits. After when 2020 uh, came in, they're trying to decrease the visits. Mm. Again, these agencies, I'm not saying all of them, most agencies that are fraudulent, they will find ways to be fraudulent. And if you're a fraud, you're a fraud, right? And this is resulting in a lot of therapists losing their job. Exactly. Because now these agencies that are receiving the money as a lump sum, they're now controlling the number of therapy visits. They're saying, hey, um, we only want you to do two visits, three visits. Why? because they want to keep more of the money. This is regardless right. of the diagnosis, but that's not going to fly. You know why? Because Medicare tracks everything. Everything is paid electronically. If you're an agency who used to do a lot of therapy visits prior to 2020, and then after 2020, your visits dropped, what does that tell you? Right. Right? So that's a right. huge red flag. So recently, um, a lot of uh, therapy associations, APTA, AOTA, ASHA, are, are voicing out the concerns for therapists losing jobs in the home health industry because of these changes. And guess what? CMS is watching, right? They, they rolled out an article basically saying, we're watching you. And this is towards the agency. We're watching you. We know what you're doing. Okay. So, so is now a good time or a bad time to go into the home health industry given the changes? Honestly, to me, it's still a good time because most agencies that are getting rid of full-time staff, but they still need therapy for their patients, guess what? They're going to use contractors like us right. to, see, to okay. see these patients. So it's good for contractors like us because they're still business, okay? The bad news is if you look at it overall, if you work with an agency that doesn't care about patients and all they care about is money, then you're in a bad spot because now they only give as, as least as the amount of therapy visits they can give as possible, right? right. So um, that's the problem. So how do we solve that? We need to educate our 
clients, senior citizens who are in the um, uh, home health services. We need to educate them that, hey, this is PDGN, this is what's happening. I think if you need more therapy, you need to call your primary physician, get the, uh, the order, okay? And then, um, especially if it's ortho or neuro, if you have the referral, then obviously the agency has to follow that order, right? So, um, but what's happening recently, and a lot of agencies even have the balls to override orders from the hospital, from the doctor, and having their nurses saying to the patients, hey, you know what? I don't think you need therapy. Mm. I mean, they, they're not authorized to do that. I don't think you, you don't need PT. I don't think you, you, you need OT. They have the balls to do that. And that's illegal. You cannot, you cannot decide for the patient whether they need PT or OT. You, know, you have to at least send, especially if there's a doctor's order, you, ha- you have to send out PT or OT out there to do their eval and see if they need it or not. Right. So what, what, I, what I love about what you're doing is that, you know, I am not at liberty to disclose the awesome changes that you have coming up in your business yet, but I know <laughs> that you have some awesome stuff on the horizon and you are helping to give physical therapists options, options, yes. if they're looking the direction of doing home health or something like that, to give them an opportunity to figure out which one of the opportunities works best for them so that they are not at the mercy of these changes, which means AKA they're an employee who can just get canned once, you know, the, these, these, these things start to like get, you know, affect the bottom line of people's companies. But rather if you're in control and you're a business owner and you have your own business um, in the home health arena, then you can make decisions. You can pivot. You can go over here. You can do Medicare Part B. You can work with the VA. You can do all these different things that allow you to either diversify or change direction. And that's something that you are, Essentially, I would say like the, I don't know anybody else who knows as much in this department as you do. So I just want to give all the listeners of this podcast an opportunity to learn more about what it is that you are doing and how you are disseminating this information. So where would they go to learn about these business opportunities? Great. If you're a new grad or if you're someone who's sick and tired of working the 95 job or you don't have enough right now, you don't have enough hours and you want to make a change you can find me at rehabpreneur.com. That's a combination of rehab and entrepreneur. So that's why I came up with rehabpreneur. If that's too hard for you to find, you can find me at bertpt.com. That's B as in boy, E-R-T, P-T as in physical therapy.com. It sends you to the same website. So here's what I did uh, recently, and I'm going to roll this out soon. Here's what I did for our colleagues. I think the best way to to start your journey into entrepreneurship or finding what else can you do besides your 95 job, the best thing you can do is to start learning how to evaluate any rehab business opportunity that comes your way. Mm. You know, we don't treat patients without evaluating our patients, right? That's a given. You just don't, hey, here you go, do this. No, you start with evaluation, right? So same same thing with any business. You have to know how to evaluate any business opportunity that comes your way before you put in your money into it. Okay? It's like what you did at the very beginning, right? I mean, you evaluated your options. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So if yeah. you go to my website, I will give away a video on how I evaluate a business from top to bottom. What are the questions I ask? To just give you an example, who's paying? Okay. Who's doing the work? How far or how long do I wait to get paid? Okay, how do I scale? Can mm. I sell this down the road? 
what's the burn rate? For those of you who don't know what's burn rate, meaning it, what it means is how much money you're gonna spend to keep it afloat before you even go into the black. What's black? It's positive awesome. money. Yeah. Ne- what's red? It's negative money. All these things you gotta know, you gotta learn before you jump into a business that you don't even have a clue what it's all about, right? If you hear someone promoting their business, hey, do this, do that, it only takes you this few thousand dollars you know, to get into my course, to get this. Before you get into that, try to evaluate this business model. And you can do that with the tools I'm going to give you in my website. It's a free Is video. Is that video live yet? Not yet, but it will be live pretty soon. Okay. I, I want actually, early access. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I actually, you will, my friend. And okay, I, yeah. I actually did the, the taping this week. And, and then my, awesome. my, my VA will transcribe the PDF version. So that way, if you're a video learner, here's the video. If, sure. if, you're, if you're a text learner, here's the PDF. Okay. And then once you figure out how to analyze a business, then you, you, you'll have more clarity. Okay, do I really want to do this mm-hmm. based on the North Star that I want? Right. And then right. go from there. And then I love I, that because yeah. you know, I, I, I'll tell you why I love that so much. It is, it is tapping into the root like when we, when we evaluate a patient and we want to know, okay, what is the diagnosis? Okay, that's what's wrong, but why do they have that problem? That's the cause, right? right. So we are always trying to figure out the root cause of why people have what they have. And if you go and you try to learn marketing, which essentially is learning strategies for filling the top of your funnel to bring people into your business, mm-hmm. but you're running the wrong business, then you're especially wasting a ton of time learning skills that you're putting the cart before the horse. You don't even know if you have the right business yet. And I don't, I don't think I've seen anybody else out there yet who's teaching people how to understand different business models within physical therapy. I wish this information was available in school and maybe when you're old and gray, you'll take your entire system and donate it to the uh, DPT departments <laughs> around the country or sell it to them so they know, can right? include it in their, uh, in their education. But you're right, you have to figure out what business you wanna be in before you can even you know fathom, like how do I make this business successful by learning branding and marketing, which is really step two. In, in the entire process. So exactly. I think that's that's awesome, man. Thank you so much for being on the Physio Mission Podcast. I think my listeners will get tremendous value out of what you shared. Uh, you've been a blessing to us all. So thanks, Bert. Appreciate your time. No problem. And I forgot to add, if they want to reach me directly, I don't mind giving my number. They can text me directly at 972-649-9909. I personally reply to those text messages or, or phone calls. Awesome. Right. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate you cool, having Bert. me. Peace right. out. Thank you so much for listening to the Physio Mission Podcast. If you haven't done so already, head over to physiosecrets.com and get your first masterclass for free. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. This is Dr. Cooper signing off. Until next time, fuel your passion, believe in your mission, and let nothing stand in your way.